Guys, we're here live at the school with our students, and Matt and I are just going to run a little Q&A session, um, answer some questions that these young whippersnappers have about <laughs> adult life or whatever. Whippersnappers. Impart any knowledge that we can. Um, and thanks to Rode for giving us some microphones. They've supported us well, and they're great quality products. <laughs> So, um, what questions have we got? <laughs> Not all at once. I prefer You prefer to answer? I've got one question. You said in the last episode about always hanging on to the uh, being adopted card, saying that it's because you're adopted, that's why you're not su succeeding. How long did it take for you to get out of that r rhythm that you're in? I swear, adoption it, card? I, I took me... I reckon it was about six between when I was six years old till around twelve to thirteen years old. I held on to that, and I used that as my excuse when people would point the finger at me or my parents would be like, "Hey, how come you're not studying or how come you're not doing well?" I'd say, "Oh, because I'm adopted, and you adopted me, and you split up, and blah blah blah." That's I. I it made me stop believing that when I wanted to start getting ahead of life because I realised that. When I started attempting to pursue my dreams, like with music or take risks and meet new friends, I couldn't just say that to my friends and these new people. I couldn't just always use that as my get out of jail free card. So I started realizing that's my that was my decision. I was choosing on to hold on to the past, and uh, wasn't helping me in my future. Instead, now I look at my adoption as a positive thing, as as before I saw it as a as a negative and as a reason why I suck at things, yeah. What was your most succeeding moment? Succeeding moment? Um, well, it depends on what... You've, you've launched some albums. Yeah. <coughs> you've this, started, this is, maybe, I should, maybe I should take this. Okay. Um, Matt's launched albums, sold a bunch of them, especially in Korea, and he started a mentoring business and music teaching business that's uh, taken off to the point where it can branch out to podcasts and do this stuff. Also, you got married, had a kid. I don't know, pick any of them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Round of applause, you champ. Gave birth to a koala. Uh, gave birth to a koala? <laughs> yeah, I put a photo up of my baby and a koala. Miss each other. <laughs> okay, right. uh, they both look the same, but different. <laughs> I just needed to know it wasn't literal. This is where I think... I've matured a lot with that word success because when I was your age at school, success was all about numbers. It was all about, all about fame, being famous, selling albums, being known and being somebody. And I tried that. I honestly did. At school, I played at everything I could. I, I sold albums in school and went first couple of years out of school, I toured and saw lots of um, amazing things, met lots of celebrities actually. And then I started getting to know some of these celebrities and realizing that there's other parts of the life, their life that had to be sacrificed. Like a lot of them, because of the career and the sacrifices you make with music, didn't have many didn't have healthy relationships. They always went spouse to spouse, or they didn't see their family. And the one regret that I heard the most reoccurring was, "I wish I saw my family more." So 
I kind of see success in a lot of things. Holistically, now I see success as I'm a I'm a I'm around as a as a friend first and as a husband. That I earn an income from what I what I'm doing, what I love, and that I have a healthy lifestyle, you know, and I'm able to do it. So it's, it's not success isn't just one thing anymore. It used to be one thing. Like success, Matt Purcell at 16 years old would say, sell millions of albums, that's success. But now it's like, be a good father, be a good husband, be a good friend, earn enough money to do everything I want to do, put food on the table, and help other people get there as well. Yeah, that's that's my answer. Um, when did you first decide you wanted to go into music, and what was everyone's first impression of that decision? I remember the story I told at the session last week, last two weeks ago. How um, I started off not very good. I always started as a half decent guitarist. People saw me as a guitarist first, but when I started singing, the feedback I got was terrible. Because I wasn't very good. It was like what Michael said last episode about people saying, oh, I was at the beginning of my journey and I was just so pitchy and I just couldn't, I just didn't have a good voice. People were like, I'll just quit. You should just be a guitarist. Yeah, and I'm like, auto-tune doesn't help without microphones <laughs> and gear. So um, so I had mixed reviews. I had mi- mixed feedback. I had plenty of, fe- plenty of feedback that I could have just taken and said, oh, I quit. It was too hard. So my beginning stages were bad. Yeah, it was, wasn't very good. But I just kept trying and trying and trying. And I got coaching. That's probably one of the biggest things. Like, if you know that you're not getting to where you want to be by yourself, it's wise to sit under someone who's where you want to be, who has the ability of yours like that, that you want, and to give you some tips. Yeah. Um, I've got two. First one, have you ever met your real birth parents? No, I haven't, and I doubt that I ever will, because when I went to Korea on my tour, I visited the orphanage I was from, and they said that they'd done a search, and she left a fake social security number and didn't get, give her full details over. And my dad and her kind of had a one-night stand, pretty much, so he doesn't even know I exist, I think. Hmm. And the second one is... um. What major celebrities have you seen or talked to? Stan Walker, Jay-Z, not Jay-Z. <laughs> uh, Stan Walker, um, what's that big... Bl- um, is a big... If you've got a $100 bill, put your hands up. Got a fat man scoop. Um, yeah, that guy. Um, Jimmy Barnes, Vanessa Mercy, Thirsty Merck. Uh, I think there was a question over here. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, what inspired you to become uh, a comedian and stuff like that? Um, well, I think people... I guess I started being funny in, like, high school. Um, it was like It was an identity thing, I think, because I kept joining schools like a term late. So, like, I started... I changed from kindergarten to a school in year one. So I was like, everyone knew each other before I got there. And then I was only there for a term. And so then I was at another school a term late. And year seven, 
I moved schools a term late. So I was just like, everyone had like spent that, those first few weeks bonding and so I didn't have anything. And so I guess joking around got a good response. So yeah. I just, without even trying, developed that. A lot of people told me I should do comedy, but I never cared enough. And then one time I just decided to try it. Just I went to an open mic and um, everyone was like, first time you go, you bomb, but you'll want to get up and do it again. But it actually went well, but I didn't care about doing it again. And so I did it once, and then I did it a year later once again. And then I didn't do it for three years. And there was a comedy competition, and I didn't have anything else going on because I just left uni and I thought, ah, oh, may as well write some jokes and go in that. And I got to the state semifinals, and some Newcastle people noticed me and invited me to stuff. And so I just kept doing it. And I've been meeting, you know, Newcastle comedy guys and hosting shows around and doing podcasts and stuff. So I guess it just, it was never something I sat down and was like, I want to do this. It was more a case of like, because someone like Matt is like very like focused and very driven. And for me, it was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah. And I'll just like try something out because I got nothing else going on and see how it goes. So was it like nerve wracking when you first got up? To do your first show? Or um, yeah. yeah. It still is. I had a show in the Newcastle Fringe in January, and it was an hour long, and I had sold, like, 150 tickets, uh, and I only had, like, 25 minutes of jokes, and I had to make up half the show each <laughs> night. So that was terrifying. Yeah. Especially the first night, I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go. And then it went okay, luckily. In fact, it went well. <laughs> I feel it went really well. I heard it went really, really well from lots of friends that went. Nice. That's on the podcast. Yeah, this one's for you, Matt. What made you want to become who you are today? Lots, that's a good question. Um, it's a good question. I think a lot of it does come from gratefulness. I, I just feel grateful that I've been given a great life, that I was born in another country, and for my own story, I could have grown up in a in a poor family, which I was born into, and in in very humble circumstances. But I've given it, been given a shot here in Australia, and I only have to think about that to realise that. Listen, I I owe it to life. I owe it to the people who have chosen me and have helped me, and have loved me, my parents. To give this, to give it a best, to give love the best shot I've got, and and also to when people said things about me, like oh you're not good enough or you should reconsider, for some reason I think it might be just the beliefs I have or I think it's a lot of beliefs that my parents instilled in me. I just was able to turn it into fuel, to to just get really good at what they said <laughs> that you're not you, that you should just quit at. And I've always had a desire to help people because I think I've been helped by lots of people that I've just chosen to, not because I've done anything to them, just because they saw something in me. Pay it forward. Pay it forward, yeah. It's always about, like, I think happiness comes from two things. Growth within yourself, so you upskilling yourself, you, you're growing your, your skills, your abilities, your relationships. And the second thing is being part of something bigger than yourself so being a bit less selfish and being part of a group or a cause where you can connect all your skills and love and talents to yeah that's my answer 
Uh, I got a question for you. You said in the last episode you were labelled a nerd. Um, how long did you have the label for, and what were your emotions towards being called it? Well, um, gosh, let's see. Probably a, a, a few years, but it wasn't really a. It wasn't a hostile thing. I mean, I don't think the word nerd was used much, but it was understood that the group that I was in, you know, who are into computers and video games and stuff. And it's funny because now it's like over 10 years later, like everyone, everyone does that stuff. Mm. But uh, even at the time, it was kind of like you don't like the feeling of like someone else choosing your identity for you, mm. which is why you have to challenge things that other people say about you, I think, because you, you should be able to decide what you are. Um, but I didn't feel too hostile about it because um, uh, I think everyone, while it was a label and I didn't like that, it wasn't like a... Um, no one was looking down on us, really. So, yeah, and I'm still very much the same person I was then, so perhaps I am a nerd currently, but there's more of us than ever, so it's no big deal. That's the other thing, like, you want to react. When someone tells you what you are, you want to react, you know, negatively, but sometimes they're not even being negative. They're just, like, trying to understand you and being a bit lazy about it. Mm. Cool. Um I reckon what we should do now is ask these guys some questions. Yeah. For the last five minutes. Yeah, see how you like it. See how you guys feel about it. <laughs> okay, boys. What, what do you do what you do? Oh, what do we do? Exactly, you tell us. <laughs> what, why do you do sport? Why, you, why do you um, try and... I like being physical. Like running around. Yeah, but why? Like what, what, what does that do for you? <laughs> it, why is that important? Why is it important? Because I've been around it my whole life, and if it got taken away, sport, I'd be bored out of my mind. Mm, okay. So why why do you play sports and not just run around if you like just getting the exercise? What was the question? Why you said you like being active? Yeah. So why sports and not just like going for runs or whatever on your own? Because with sports, you're not like it's something new each time. You're with other people. With exactly Social when you run when you're running, it's just the same thing every time. But when there's sports, it could be a different sport. Could be anything. Could be modified. You don't know what you're gonna get. Mm, and weather. So variety. You like the excitement, the challenge, the passion. The variety in sport, the uncertainty. Yeah. Mm, okay. The the beautiful game. <laughs> it's more than a game. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. Does anyone um, here do anything creative? Like art? Anything, yeah. Art. Do you write? Do you make music? Do you, do you make videos? videos? Do, you... do you build stuff in Minecraft? <laughs> John does. That's all right. It's cool. No one's I try and write songs. I'm trying to write my music lately. I'm not the best at it, but I've just started, so exactly. I'm getting the hang of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, you've just started. Like, I like music and listening to it and that, but when I try and write a song, like, I think of what I want to write, and then halfway through it, I'm, I'm like, I don't like this. So I try and restart, and I, every time I restart, I don't know what to write about. 
you so know I always just give up yeah and this is this is kind of discouraging i guess but no matter how long you've been writing music for you'll have moments where you're writing something and it's not coming together and you're like i want to stop music like <laughs> do you know what i mean matt mm. you just hit a wall and you're like why do i do this i can't do this but um my advice would be if you i do some music as well um if you get halfway through a song and it's not what you want or you don't know what to do with it put it down come back to it a week later and it'll be totally different in your head i don't know if you can record or you just like write stuff but if you can like write yeah well if you can like even like record a bit on your phone and then just leave it and come back to it a week later your brain will start completing the ideas for it yeah and i'll give you guys some creative tips too i think this applies across the board with how I see some directors do their their storyboards and stuff for movies as 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 I write songs as well is you have these things where you you reference things from something so either inspiration in, wall of inspiration or a, a folder of inspiration of songs if you're a musician where you kind of catalog you find a song that you like part of it might just be the beat or it might just be the lyrics and everything else sucks to you and you're all, you, you document it, and you're like, okay, that's what I think a good lyric is, and that's what I'm drawn to. It's ne- No one's ever going to tell you what you should think is good or not. There's something intuitively in all of us that goes, I like that. You're drawn to it. So don't like discredit what you're drawn to. I think what you're mm, drawn to naturally is a big clue. That's your tastes. Yeah. And that will be reflected in the music you make or the what you write, whatever creative thing you do. Yeah. So I encourage everyone, if you're creative or something like that, is to create a word pool, which is like a document of where you just write down phrases or words or things in it in, where you catch it in the moment and start documenting um, songs that you like, that you're drawn to with beats, lyrics, vocal range stuff, and then reference to that and get ideas from it. And if it's movies, screenshot favourite scenes from from um, you know scenarios and movies you know, certain facial expressions or anything and put it in a document so you can always just remind yourself, this is what I'm drawn to for some reason and this is what I kind of want to recreate. Mm. All right, guys, that's it from Matt. So why don't we all say thanks to Matt for hosting this. It's been a good season, guys. Thank you. And Matt, if I could just say one thing, um, do up your fly. (laughs) No. Uh, and can we say thank you to Michael because he edits the podcast. He's awesome at facilitating discussion. And thanks to you guys for taking part. You did real good today. It's, hey, stop, stop, stop. Michael and I are just going to clap you both. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the Coda Kings podcast. We really want to encourage you to share this online and personally to any friends, family members and students that you feel would benefit from it. If you go to our website, greenroom.net.au and click on the Life tab, you'll see Code of Kings podcast. We want to hear your questions, suggest some topics for us to discuss and give us your feedback about how it's helped you and your friends. Follow us on Instagram at the Code of Kings and hashtag us in your ventures of bravery, moments of discovery and you'll see us posting helpful things up on there. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next time.